Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. So before we get into the very first episode of further investigation, I do want to let everybody know that quite a while ago, maybe two years ago, Jake told us that he is not meant for short form. (laughs) He needs to be a movie or at least like a 12 part Netflix series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in accordance with that, you're going to get some bonus episodes because further investigation ended up going longer than we expected. Uh, just because we were having such a good time in the world and we didn't want to cut out any of the mystery to fit it into four episodes. Really, it's just because we were very bad investigators. <laughs> <laughs> the last three episodes, I'm sorry, this is a spoiler, but I have yeah, to yeah. tell you, the last three episodes are just Jake like spoon feeding yeah. us the culprit <laughs> and us just yeah. like following a chicken around. If you've ever seen like a the shot at the end of a movie where an adult is leading four children away by the hands... <laughs> We haven't even recorded those episodes yet. (laughs) Hopefully you don't judge us for our (laughs) future investigation (laughs) skills. Uh, But yes, so we will still be starting season five on the first Wednesday of August, which is the third. But you're just going to get some bonus stuff. So we hope that you enjoy further investigation and we will see you next week. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? Great. So jacked to yeah. be here. Do we you all look jacked? Look at those arms. <gasps> those arms. Do we oh. all have our deer stalker caps on? Because <laughs> it is investigative time. <gasps> Megan and I are so uh, ready. I yeah. have my magnifying glass, both of them. You're I have my mystery detective swag. <laughs> I brought dice. Did you meld both of your magnifying glasses just into regular glasses? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm like always lo- I'm always perceptive. looking through my- <laughs> I'm always looking through magnifying glasses. <laughs> um. So we are playing uh, an arc of further investigation. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard us talk about it before, further investigation was a detective style Pathfinder game that I used to run for Rev and Tass. Uh, and we have talked about adapting it in some way or picking it back up, but we had covered a lot of ground back then, and we've been sort of uncertain how to do that. So this is the official prequel to Further Investigation. When we started that game, we started them at level three, like in the midst of their careers, and this is kind of like the the official, as far as I'm concerned, this is what happened at level one and two. Mm-hmm. And depending on what happens at level one and two, this might be like a timeline divergence. Yeah, you know, it's like the new Star Trek. Megan and yeah. my characters die <laughs> by the end of level two. <laughs> oh, no. Spoiler alert, Kim and I are dead at the end of uh, level two, and then Rev and Tass go alone. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you both go, hey, you know what? These dudes are insufferable. <laughs> Let's go do our own thing. Let's and then go they're start like, mystery detective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, right out of the gate, I want to say, uh, I know how we always talk about, you know, when you listen to us play the games, you ought to learn how to play the games. That is not going to be the case. Nobody knows all of the rules to Pathfinder. Like Even the people, the people who wrote the game. The people who made Pathfinder, the people who play it professionally for years and years, nobody gets all these rules right. Uh, so apologies. There will be times that I say people can do things that maybe mechanically they shouldn't technically be allowed to do, but it's no fun to just shit on somebody's inability to do a thing. <laughs> so, um, so before we uh, begin the story in earnest, let's talk about our characters. Um, so first of all, let's let's go into the people who uh, already existed within the further investigation universe. Uh, let's talk about Rev and Tass's characters first here. Tass, who are you? I will be playing Quinn Ironweld, and the class that I'm playing is called Slayer, which is a hybrid class between uh, the Ranger and the Rogue. Um, so he is very much a fighty boy in in many different situations. Uh, so Quinn's kind of a kind of a good old boy. He like he he was raised out in the country. Um, He's uh, kind of a stocky guy with the last name Ironwell that's theorized that somewhere back in his lineage there is uh, some dwarf blood because um, he's just kind of kind of stocky, wide shoulder, tough little dude. Um, but he, he just kind of got sick of being out in the country. He liked finer things and made his way to the city. But he's still got this upbringing of uh, being a good tracker, a good hunter, good with a bow. He uses a scythe as a weapon because uh, most of his family has uh, gotten good with them and kind of used them as like a signature family weapon. Uh, and uh, upon arriving in Magnamar, started using his his strength and uh, his abilities for literally like tracking people down and even just little part-time stuff to start is like a bouncer and, and things like that um, that I think got him on the radar of some of the others as uh, possible good help for tracking down people or investigating um, other otherwise uh, hard-to-track mysteries. Uh, and I am playing Rainer Faraday. Uh, when we first envisioned these characters, we were essentially doing like a, a Holmes and Watson, uh, and we both picked hybrid classes because... Pathfinder is hard with just two players, so we made sure to, to pick people who could kind of do everything between the two of us. Yeah. Um, and so I am an investigator, uh, and that is a hybrid between a alchemist and a rogue. And I specifically am an empiricist, which is one of the archetypes of investigator, uh, which means that the facts are the most important thing to this character, and they can replace a lot of their skills instead of rolling wisdom or strength. Or charisma, they can use intelligence. They can use uh, the way they use language and things like that to work around situations as opposed to the normal means. Um, he has like an eidetic memory. Um, he has a, a, a vast wealth of knowledge, skills. Um, and one of the things an investigator gets is they get a bonus die um, when they are trying to know things. And it's something that they actually don't even have to spend on knowledge skills. They can spend it on other things, but they can just do it for free. Um, and so I think it was a lot of his just perceptions of things and, and knowledge of history and the area and the local culture, just standing outside, like in line to, you know, buy groceries or whatever and, and hearing the guards talking about something and piping up and, oh, actually, this is what it was on this date and da da da, that got him into um, being a private investigator um, because he, he was giving information to what was the law here, but maybe didn't necessarily like the way that it was being 
um, utilized or maybe didn't think things were being done enough. And then the uh, the newcomers who in the canon now actually aren't newcomers. They've yes. been around as long as you guys. Uh, <laughs> Megan and Kim. So, Kim, who are you playing? I am playing Thomason Lanaday, and I am a half-elf bard. Something that her party members would know, but is not public knowledge, is that Tom is that Tom originally went by a different name, or a stage name, rather. She was fairly well known in the opera scene as an opera diva by the name of La Sirena. Now, if you follow the opera scene, you would know that La Sirena died two years ago during the closing night performance of the opera The Tragedy of Lysithia. La Sirena was involved in a tragic accident where she stabbed herself with a dagger that was supposed to be a prop but was swapped for the real thing and died on stage in the middle of a performance. Now two years later, La Sirena is back, though going by a completely different name, somehow back from the dead and exploring a new career. But she hasn't exactly talked about why she's doing that. I like that. So does anybody know that this is the same person or like the four the the three of you know for sure uh definitely but i don't okay yeah but i think she's she's keeping it a secret for now okay megan who are you (laughs) how did you get in here what are you doing here who the fuck are you get out of here why do i know your first name (laughs) uh i am playing celestine saros i am a gnome sorceress uh, I have the Star Soul bloodline, uh, which comes from a line of stargazers and explorers, and they kind of have that connection not only to like planets and stars, but the void in between them. Uh, she is a, an accountant. <laughs> she <laughs> she's an accountant uh, who works for the city. Um, she gets in trouble a lot for being very sleepy at work and <laughs> uh, falling asleep on the job. And when she is not falling asleep, she is just daydreaming. <laughs> Very. Is this me? Are you playing me? <laughs> no, I'm playing me, but also this sounds bad for <laughs> both of us. To have. <laughs> I hope neither of our bosses listen to this. Because <laughs> um, no, but she says sleepy all the time because she prefers to be awake at night. She loves looking at the night sky and all of the beautiful stars. Um, she spends a lot of her free time doing astrography uh, and charting different planets and stars and doing a lot of like celestial mapping. Uh, and so like some of the, the spells and stuff that she has as a, as a sorcerer are related to different things in like outer space. All right. Um, so we, uh, we find this party at the circus. Um, specifically at the Umbra Carnival. Uh, the Umbra Carnival is a traveling show that travels all over the continent. Um, they have a, a series of, like, unique performers and events. They've got lots of the common fare you would expect at a circus or carnival, and they just kind of roll into towns. Little towns, big cities, doesn't matter, wherever they can find space along their route. Um, currently they have rolled into a town just outside of Magnamar, the city where you are all kind of headquartered, called Ilsurian. Um, and they have set up in the fields to the north of this little kind of rural town outside of the city. Uh, you are all here celebrating the uh, the first case that you cracked together as a squad. Um, what was that? What have you guys done 
that uh, that you have just recently wrapped up. I know we have not talked about this out loud. Is it something related to like similar to Thomason's death? Like that someone was at a theater like they thought that they were going to have something happen to them. And so it was like, a, oh, we just happened to be there that, you know, I was in the audience and, you know, someone was working backstage or someone was like that. We were all just happened to be in the same location and worked together or like what's something that we all would have been at. Like it was a place that we all just happened to be and then yeah. we solved it together. Like is it the the state's, uh, the, the city's theater and so like you do the books for it and you know, you know that, that good state-run theater. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is my fantasy realm. Yeah, that's fair. We can have some publicly funded theater. Yeah. <laughs> Listen here, commie. <laughs> I, I, I like this idea, like, because you know, I, I, I want to know if you weren't already into detectivery, like, what has brought you into it? So it would make sense that you were all at a thing that you were into anyway, whether or not an investigation would have happened. So, yeah, tell me, tell me about it. Personally, I think I was there as an audience member, and I don't know if Thomason was in the show, in the audience, but since we know her story, like, I feel like I recognized her from seeing her on stage before. Yeah, that's absolutely like I didn't I didn't want to introduce that without checking with you, but like I I think you were the person who immediately put the pieces together being like, "Oh, I know who you were. Also, you died somehow." But Yeah. <laughs> uh I think I was actually there. I was like dragged there by a friend and I wasn't really interested. So I wasn't really paying attention, (laughs) but I think that's what made it really good for me to work on this was since I wasn't distracted by the things everyone else saw, I was able to think about the facts without being influenced by all the things everyone else had seen. Was I that friend? (laughs) (laughs) Because the, I, I could make a justification for us knowing each other beforehand. If you work with money in the city and if I have worked a few times with like local enforcement that maybe you're the one who gives the stipend out. Yeah, sure. It's like, oh, would you like to come to the theater with me? It would be a, a very good time. Also, nice. Rainer needs friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think for Quinn, I, I think I am coming to the theater for the very first time ever. Like uh, somebody was talking to me about me, you know, buying a well you know some something nice that i otherwise wouldn't be able to afford and they're like you know you really want (laughs) to throw around some finery go get like the box seats at the theater get the most expensive this or that and so i saved up and this is just where i happen to be and feet up on the railing yeah exactly (laughs) eating a bag of chips loudly like just not opening a really loud candy (laughs) yeah yeah and whatever it was, whatever the situation was, eventually there was a runner. Like whoever was responsible, somebody bolted, and I went, "Oh, I I can do that." And and um, and jump sort of, jump from the box onto them. Yeah, I mean, dead ass, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, that's I, I had nothing to do with any of it until the end. <laughs> I like it. All right. So what happened? Like what what was the what was the incident and. What was the resolution? How'd you all solve this? What was your role there? Like, were you watching? Were you in it? I definitely wasn't in it. I was, Mm -hmm. I think I was in the audience. Yeah. So it was somebody on stage who thought they were in danger. Oh, no, because we we, we weren't, we weren't hired to do this. We just basically all of them happened to be there. Um, 
Yeah, I think it it had to be like somebody on the crew. Yeah, like a like an accident happened on stage, but it wasn't an accident. Yeah, like the person who owns the theater was trying to claim the insurance money or something. Okay, and how'd you guys figure it out then? Uh, the stagehand who who like was working with the the fire and the lights and stuff, and um, like that there was a, a breakout of a fire didn't have any like calluses on their hand or anything. They've never handled these ropes before. Um, I think that was like, I'm trying to think of like, if we each caught a piece of it, like mm-hmm. what's the piece that, that we noticed? Yeah. So that's okay. So Rainer noticed like physical evidence, like they, they couldn't have been doing what they said they were doing. Yeah. And, and that this is someone completely new because they don't have any markings on their hands to show they do this work seven times a week. Yeah. I, I could absolutely imagine that Thomason noticed things that were like too real, like fire effects and like other things that should be this way or that way to give the effect. Like maybe she was like, whoa, wait, what are they what are they doing with that? Oh, that's gonna cause a problem. Yeah, I like that. Uh and the person they were they were trying to pin it on, I realized wasn't actually tall enough to reach like <laughs> where where the rope was tied off or something. Your expertise as a short person. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that would have been very difficult for them to get something to climb up <laughs> and put it all away. That it 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 was pinned on them because that was their role. That's what they should have been doing, but they were like something was set up so they would be distracted somewhere else. So that like if it was like a rope that caused something to drop and crash on someone on stage, the person who should have been handling that thing wasn't there. Yeah. And like I I know that Quinn has like strong perception and tracking, maybe the the runner. Like the person who caused the accident that you chased down, you noticed like you found a um like a petal of a flower stuck underneath the collar of their jacket that is what the owner of the theater wears as a boutonniere. Ooh, yeah, okay, nice, I like that. All right, and so ultimately, did you all get a confession out of the culprit, or did you just prove they did it and they were like taken kicking and screaming into custody? I think. I got a confession. <laughs> All right. Uh, I yeah. I think being tackled from the second level and Co- quote tackled from the second yeah. level. Yeah, I, bombed I, from the second level. Exactly. I think there was just a. All right, get off. You know. I imagine there being no confession, like taking away kicking and screaming. You'd be like, just could I talk to them in the green room for a second? <laughs> and then suddenly confession. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. So you have all uh, closed this case of the uh, attempted theater murder um, and are are having yourselves a little bonding, like getting to know each other better, celebrating what you have done at the carnival. So uh, it is opening night at the Umber Carnival. Um, there are throngs of people here, you know, not just people from Ilsurian, but people are coming in from the city. Um Largely, though, it does seem to be the rural crowd here. It seems to be the locals of the town that they set up outside of. Uh, and that seems to be kind of what they were going for based on, like, the pricing you're hearing around. You know, things are pretty cheap at this carnival. And uh, maybe that's not always the case. Maybe it's just because they are here. But it is affordable for the townsfolk of Ilsurian. So uh, as you enter the the parade grounds, the, the festival grounds, you see these throngs of people and you hear uh, a carnival barker uh just calling out to everyone who comes in explaining the festivities here 
um, that you could check out the Midway, where there are games and events going on. You could check out the Traveling Zoo, where they've got all of these fantastical creatures. You could go see the Sideshow, where they've got some odd performers, trinkets, and artifacts. You could go to the Winding Market, where there are all sorts of vendors and curiosities. Uh, and when the time comes, you can make your way to the Big Top to see the evening performance. But that is not for a while yet. Help me out. What's it? What does everybody look like? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Quinn is um, not particularly tall. He's about 5'9", but weighs like 200 pounds of muscle. Um, he's got uh, light brown hair, which is almost always covered in a very nice uh, light brown leather flat cap. And um, he really doesn't like, as much as he likes the nicer things, when he's just out strolling around and stuff, he's, he's just wearing... Um, Nothing fancy, just kind of, uh, you know, work pants and uh, button-up shirt with overalls. Um, stays fairly nondescript. Rainer is like 6'3", uh, very slender, uh, pale of skin with uh, black hair and green eyes, um, and just dressed in kind of a, a, a long coat and a shirt and vest and tie and pants. Tom is about Quinn's height, like 5'9", and... She has shoulder-length, wavy, dark auburn hair, and her eyes are this very pretty hazel color. Um, She is dressed in what would be... She is dressed in what would commonly be thought of as menswear, but it is tailored within an inch of its life to show off her figure. Uh, And at her waist is a very fancy looking rapier. Celestine is about three and a half feet tall. Uh, She has very straight blonde hair that almost reaches her ankles. Um, And she moves very quickly because she has to keep up with everyone. So it's usually just (laughs) kind of like following behind her. Like it doesn't reach the ground, but it's being almost always just kind of blown back as she's moving. So it's almost kind of like a, like a, she looks like a little shooting star. <laughs> um, she has these dark blue eyes and she wears a very, very cute, long sleeved, knee length uh, blue dress that kind of matches it that has uh, little, little silver stars all over it. Oh, she has a little backpack. It's pretty cute. Nice. What are you guys interested in checking out at the carnival? Food. Food. Where's the food? Uh, there is food everywhere there's no particular place you need to go for food there are vendors just walking about every one of these areas has booths containing food vendors you're you're gonna be fine what do you want uh i've heard tale of this um this item on a stick that it's like it's meat that was deep fried and then they covered it in like funnel cake and then deep fried it again covered that in powdered sugar and it costs a copper piece so mark off a copper for however many of those you want absolute highway robbery (laughs) he's like seven silver gone he like crosses out three gold (laughs) (laughs) um by by the way uh it reminded me as rev was explaining the scenario and he mentioned the lights in the theater this is sort of an anachronistic world where like it's a it's a weird blend of fantasy and like turn of the century and that's not necessarily the stock setting of pathfinder but that's just kind of the place i end up so like things like Electric light are not out of the question. Um, Things like firearms are not like the rarest or non-existent. Like, you know, rich people have those kinds of things. So 
just keep in mind as you as you talk about stuff if it seems like somebody might have misspoken about something that shouldn't exist it might honestly like it might be the kind of thing that for some reason exists in this world in that case i'm riding the tilt a world <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a barbarian <laughs> that has a chair tied to a rope and you sit in it's it and tie yourself and it just spins <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, my turn, buddy. Sit down. <laughs> that's that's going to cost more than a copper because you got to like the insurance, the physical therapy. Oh yeah. Oh man, for both of you, <laughs> for, for both the, the writer number of and barbarians the they have to employ since they only get so much rage a day. <laughs> the MRI scans that you have to do afterwards—it's it's expensive. Uh, what else do we want to check out? I want to go look at the animals. Okay. Uh, yeah. You you head over to the traveling zoo. The traveling zoo is sort of in like the northwest corner. Uh, past the big top. And uh, they've got an, an assortment of critters. A lot of it is sort of like uh, mundane-ish zoo fare. Um, you know, they've got like deer. They've got like a reptile section. They've got like petting zoo animals, like goats and sheep and llamas and stuff like that. Um, but then they've got some more interesting uh, sort of rare creatures here. They've got a giant stag beetle in a big pen uh, that is just sort of rolling its big old balls of poop around. <laughs> uh, they've got a black bear here that is kind of sleeping lazily in its in its container. Uh, they've got what they have. They've got what they have in its takeout box. Yeah, black bear. Well, I mean, it's in a trash can. It's a black bear. Like it wants to be in a trash can eating the trash. They're just big raccoons. Uh, they've got what they have called a baby dragon. Uh, it is some kind of small reptile here that uh, the there are guards like kind of keeping people like don't get too close to this one. It's pretty dangerous. Um, and they actually have a manticore uh, that Ooh. has had the spikes on its tail removed to be safer. But there are also guards like making sure nobody gets to nobody gets in petting zoo range of those ones. Does the does the baby dragon? Like, can I kind of scrutinize it and see, like, wait, what is, what is this exactly? Like, are the guards actually keeping people away from safety, or is this a show to make it seem yeah. like a real dragon? <laughs> uh, why don't you roll knowledge nature? Okay. 17. Uh, as far as you can tell, this is this is not a dragon. Yeah. Um, in fact, it seems to be a monitor lizard um, that they are just kind of playing up for the sake of the attraction. Um, I think I just jot that down. It's like oh, fake lizard. Oh, what about the manticore? And just kind of taking notes about everything and the thinking about the amount of food that it would require to feed it if it was an actual dragon. Uh, there's also a a very large tent here, um, like second only to the big top, uh, that has a sign out front that says the lair of the Sphinx. Uh, and it also has two guards standing in front of it. Like are all the animals in their own tents or is there kind of one big tent that has this faux dragon and... Uh, no, these are all sort of like outdoor exhibits. Like okay. These are all like, you know, wagons with cages on them or enclosures that have been dug out. This is the only tent in here other than like vendors. Um, this is the only tent and it's enormous. Okay. Well, uh, then once we're done with the, the faux dragon, I have to go over to the, the Sphinx because my understanding is they have knowledge and they like riddles. Uh, yeah, you, you approach the tent, um, the two guards kind of, kind of put a hand up and let you know that you can't go in right now. And they gesture to a sign, uh, which breaks down that the Sphinx performs at specific times of day. Um, so it has a performance in like the, 
midday. It has a performance kind of mid-afternoon. And then it is in the evening show in the big top, which things are gearing up towards soon. So the Sphinx is unavailable to be viewed right now. Oh, okay. How much longer? A nebulous amount of time, depending on how much else you want to do at the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's next listed appearance is the, the big, top, big top. Okay. Yep. The the evening's main event. So camping out here won't do me any good. No. Okay. I mean, it could. You just have to wait a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about everybody else? What are you What are you interested in at the carnival? Uh, I want to go to the market. Okay. Uh, you head into the winding market. It is just kind of sprawling, like passageways of carts and vendors and just people walking about with their wares and trying to sell you things. Uh, it is a lot more like high pressure than anywhere else you have been in the carnival so far. It seems kind of unregulated here. Um, but there are, again, there are merchants, there are performers, there are diviners, um, kind of anything you could imagine here. What are you looking for? I'm looking for a new astrolabe. Yeah, absolutely. You you find a vendor uh, who has a booth set up that is kind of like covered in blue velvet uh, with golden stars all around it. And their whole thing seems to be like space themed curiosities. Um, and they they definitely have an, an astrolabe. Yeah, astrolabe? An, an astrolabe. Is I almost said astrolabe. And I was like, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. So you cut space. Yeah. Time. <laughs> you're, you're, cut, you're cutting a hole in space. <laughs> yeah, an astrolabe is, is kind of like a space compass, and uh, they didn't have one in the starting equipment for <laughs> Pathfinder when I was building this character, so I'm using this opportunity to get one anyway. <laughs> yeah, this this merchant is showing off this uh, this device, which consists of a flat disc upon which two other discs are mounted. <laughs> the mounted discs can rotate. <laughs> Uh, and it looks like it's made of like solid gold, and they are asking you 100 gold pieces for it. Okay, well, I have 19. Roll a, roll a diploma. If you want to haggle. <laughs> sure. Roll a diplomacy check. Oh, goodness. Okay. And the DC is very high. <laughs> I imagine Rainer just standing next to her. A few people know this, but the upper disc represents the sky and just explaining. <laughs> 14. No, they won't. No. Absolutely not. It, it now costs 150 gold pieces <laughs> because you had the audacity. Uh, Quinn is absolutely just amazed at the information that Rainer is, is spouting, too, by the way. <laughs> Gives you a plus two circumstance bonus on knowledge geography if used correctly. Oh, <laughs> God damned. What are you talking about? He's so smart, he pierces the fourth wall. Yeah, it's, it's like he's seen through the fabric of our world. <laughs> oh, no. And he can with the use of an astrolabe. <laughs> <laughs> Thomason, what are you up to? I want to go to the midway. All right. Uh, yeah, you you head into the midway, and it is uh, this is like the busiest with guests right now. Um, this is where all of the games are, and where there are a lot of performances going on. Um, so you can see like the classic, uh, you know, like strongman swing a mallet and hit a thing game. Um, you can see signs for something called the lovely Madam Mask, uh, which seems to be an occasional performance game of some kind. Uh, there's a tent with somebody named the All-Seeing Hadjack, uh, and just an, an assortment of ways to spend your money, spend your coin, and earn some prizes. Uh, what do you want to look at? Listen, you had me at lovely and madam. So what is that about? Uh, yeah. So there is a uh, a pretty big like pavilion tent uh, at one end of the midway here. Um, and it's actually got like three raised runways uh, that kind of make like an arrow shape. 
that like the the point of the arrow is in the middle of this tent. Um, and there is a uh, a carnival barker who is uh, encouraging people over. Um, and as you get closer, he he lets you know. Uh, would you would you like to place a bet? This is a betting pool type of game. It's a, it's a game of observation. But uh, everyone can put in some coin, and if anybody is successful, then they get half the pot. Well, very fortunate for you. I'm a betting woman. Uh, how much do you want to put in? Um, uh, is there is there a minimum? Uh, I mean, the minimum is probably a copper piece. That is the minimum amount of currency. Oh, I mean, let's do let's do let's do four gold. Four gold. God yep. damn. All right. Listen, I uh, have I have profession gambler. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, you put four gold into the pot. Uh, the, the carnival barker, like, I mean, his eyes just widen. Uh, it's rare for anybody to be throwing around that kind of money at the, at the fair. Um, and he continues to go around and and collect more from the rest of the group. Does anybody else want to put anything into the pot here? Sure. How much? How much do I have to gamble to win a hundred gold? What are the odds in this game? Uh, 10 copper to a silver, 10 silver to a gold, 10 gold to a platinum. I will do one gold. Okay. Still a lot. Still a sizable portion. I am just watching with rapt interest. Okay. I'll put a gold in. All right. So we've contributed six gold. <clears throat> I'll put in this astrolabe I just stole. <laughs> uh, all right. So he continues going around, gathering a crowd, uh, adding money to the pot, and people, uh, the crowd starts to pool around here. Um and then uh, after a while, uh, he raises the curtain uh, on the sort of center stage of this point, And there is a tall rectangular box that is covered in mirrors. Um, and then off to the side of that is a raised, uh, like a speaker's podium. Um, and the carnival barker steps up behind the podium uh, and announces, proclaims uh, the arrival of the lovely Madam Mask. And uh, the mirrored box opens, and a woman walks out. Um, she is wearing a sort of provocative red gown uh, tied up with, like, ribbons. Um, she is wearing all sorts of, like, scarves and earrings and necklaces and, like, accessories. She is just completely covered in, in baubles. Um, and most notably, she is wearing a silver mask that covers her entire face uh, with the exception of her eyes. You can see her her brown eyes peeking out through the eye holes of this mask. But otherwise, this mask just portrays the image of an attractive woman. And she walks down uh, the center runway. And as she does, she is just kind of throwing like, you know, flirting looks and gestures and like, you know, blowing kisses off the mask to people in the audience. Um, and she walks down the center runway and she just kind of stands there posing and voguing and putting on a show for everybody for about a minute. And, you know, everybody in the crowd is like clapping and ooing and awing and, and so thrilled to see her. Uh, and then she turns back around and walks down the runway and goes back into the mirrored cabinet. And the carnival barker uh, taps a stick on the podium three times, and then the box opens again, and three of her walk out. Each one walks down an individual runway, uh, but they are all wearing that same red gown, but substantially fewer items 
on their person. Substantially fewer accessories. Uh, and the carnival barker calls out that the crowd, as a collective, has one minute to determine the matching item that she that one of these three is wearing to what the original Madame Mask was wearing. Yep. Uh, so, anybody who is playing, give me a perception check. Can I do one just to see if I catch it? Yeah, sure. 25. 20. 24. 22. Jesus. Okay. Um, Listen, you put a beautiful woman on stage and I'm looking and I'm paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, fair. Um, all right. You you all notice um, that one of them is wearing a uh, a flower that you definitely spotted in uh, in the lapel, like not the lapel, but like a boa that was wrapped around her neck that had this flower kind of weaved into it. Um, but Kim, with the highest skill check, is the first one to notice and to call out. Uh, and as soon as you call out your guest, uh, the two other illusions vanish. And the third one that is correct uh, starts kind of clapping as it fades away and the box opens again and the actual Madame Mask walks out and she is clapping just as the other one is as she vanishes. Um, and she like looks over and like, I think, I mean, did, did all of you, did you guys still yell out your guesses if Kim beat you to it? Like, were you kind of just a second too late? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, she looks over the whole crowd, but like she, she obviously looks at your squad, uh, that all of you got it way before anybody else. Um, and she comes over and she kind of crouches down in front of Thomason and does like a like a come here gesture with her finger. I will approach. Uh, she she grabs at the end of one of the ribbons on her dress uh, and like pulls it very slowly so that it unties. And then she uh, loops it through part of your hair and ties off the bow and gives a little like blown kiss gesture off the mask to you and to the rest of the group here. Um, and then she stands up and waves again as she returns to her mirrored cabinet. Uh, and the carnival barker lets you know that if you want to see Madame Mask again, then she will be performing again later this evening. Uh, but for now, that is, that is the end of this particular showing. Uh, is there anything else? In particular, anyone wants to investigate here uh, in in the midway or any other part of the zoo? Well, now, hold on. What did I win? Yeah. What about the gold? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drat. You got me, <laughs> says the carnival barker as he tries to scurry away. Uh, let me roll some dice. There ended up being a grand total of 13 gold pieces in the pot. Uh, so he rounds it up for you. He gives you a seven. Um so you guys, you guys get just over half of the pot in return, which was basically just what all of you bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you went, you went too high. Nobody else could match you. Everybody else was in the coppers and the silver pieces range. Yeah. But you, you earned a gold. So congratulations. Nice. Assuming you're going to redistribute what your teammates put into the pot. I oh, yeah. shouldn't assume that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so thus, I will take. Uh, my four gold plus the extra one that I gave and uh, set it down on top of Madame Mask's mirrored cabinet. Okay. Just as a tip? Yeah. I wasn't right. playing to win. I was just playing for the experience. Okay. I, uh, I was playing to win. What do I get? <laughs> you get your money back. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. I would tell you you could take that money from the top of the cabinet, but you can't reach it. <laughs> Brainer, give me a lift. You're going to need help. Uh, let me get on your shoulders. <laughs> Hold still. I'm about to I'm about to vault up there off of you. 
All right. So having Tom, having gotten your pay and and the Madam Masks show officially concluded, is there anything anybody else wants to try and squeeze in uh, before the the evening's main show in the big top? Yeah, if there's any any of the fun like physical stuff like swinging the hammer or like I don't know any little obstacle courses or just I don't know anything fun like that that Quinn could stretch out and do, I want to give a try. Yeah, I mean the uh, the guy running the the hammer game, uh, it's got a sign that says King of the Carnival out front, um, and the guy running that is like enthusiastically trying to get people to come play the game. And I think as soon as he lays eyes on you, uh, I mean he's just like pointing to you, pointing to your arms. Uh, and he's like, he's like, come on, big strong man, come try it out, give it a shot. I'm, I'm absolutely like pointing at myself, like faux, you know, confused at me. What me? Th- these arms? And f- flexing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This this guy is huge. Like this guy looks to you like a strong man. Um, and he is he is like grinning and nodding. Um, and he picks up this big heavy mallet. Uh, and just tosses it to you as you walk over. Awesome. Um, and so there is this tower. It's like three foot wide. It's twelve foot high. And there is a uh, a stuffed like a plush lion's head at the top. Um, and he he just gestures for you to give it a swing. Smack smack that uh, uh all over the floor. The simple machine. <laughs> yep. What's the simple machine that you hit to make one end go up? Teeter totter. A seesaw. A, what's the technical term? Oh. Uh... Wow, none I of mean, us were uh, physics majors. Maybe just a lever. Maybe just a lever with a fulcrum in the middle. Whatever. He tells you to hit the thing to get the thing to slide <laughs> up and hit the thing. Okay. Uh, so give me a strength check. Okay. Oh, no. That sucks. Uh, six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you bring the mallet down, and uh, the uh, the piece of metal kind of slides like impotently halfway up this thing and then clangs back down on the ground. And- this guy gives you such a scathing look, like a <laughs> a look of disbelief. He looks at your arms again, tries to determine if it's a costume. Uh, <laughs> and the stuffed lion's head at the top meows at you and then licks its lips. I, I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, all right. This fair shit's probably rigged anyway. Uh, he he looks like flabbergasted. Um, He's like, no, of, of course not. This is a contest of strength. I would never rig such a thing. To prove one's strength is the greatest honor. I would like to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I more than anything. <laughs> okay, uh, Rainer, give me a strength check. Um, and I'm going to use one of my actual points of inspiration on this. Like I'm studying the the angle that the hammer has to go down. And okay, <laughs> twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rainer with steps my up. zero strength. <laughs> Rainer steps up, and the guy gives you a once over, and very gingerly hands you the hammer. Um, and you bring it down, and that metal slide rockets up, and it hits the lion head, and it lets out a roar that is just deafening. Like you, you suspect the entire carnival must be able to hear this, and uh, the strong man like looks blown away by this. He is momentarily shocked into silence, and then just erupts with laughter. Uh, you see, Quinn, it's not exactly that it's rigged, but it is more about the location of the hit than the strength of the hit. I I don't think I heard most of that because I'm laughing right <laughs> along with the guy and just just slapping you on the back. That was cool, man. That was real good. Shall we now call you your majesty since you are king of the carnival? Uh, and the strong man like, like smiles. He like holds up a finger like, yes, wait, just a moment. Um, and he walks behind his little like table behind this and he comes back 
with a little cardboard crown. Yes. Uh, and oh. he 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 tells you to kneel. I just stare at him for a very long time. <laughs> he places it on top of your head gingerly anyway. Uh, and he, he yells out for like everybody in the midway, all hail the king of the carnival. And like a handful of people are like, yeah. And by the time they look back, it is on Quinn's head. <laughs> okay. The fuck? Uh, all right. So I think that uh, as the lion's roar starts to fade in your ears, um, it is replaced by some distant, kind of distant shouting. Um, it sounds like there is a bit of a fuss being kicked up back over in the area of the traveling zoo. What do you guys want to do? Oh, I don't, I don't like that running over. It's it's just instinct to break up a potential fight. So I'm gonna go see what's up. I just want to see what what's happening. <laughs> I wonder if they're moving the sphinx. Oh yeah, I'll follow. All right. Uh, as you head in that direction, there is a little bit of like a like a cut through from the midway into the traveling zoo. Um, so you are able to kind of approach from the side as uh, a bunch of guests, a bunch of townsfolk are actually fleeing out of the traveling zoo area uh, and screaming. And you see uh, running about on the ground, the baby dragon. Um it seems to have somehow slipped out of its cage or something, and it is running around and hissing at fleeing carnival goers and snapping its jaws at people who get too close. Uh, I want to run up towards it. Uh, it it squares up and hisses at you. I cast speak with animals. <laughs> I don't know if you have. I do. I can you have cast speak it. with animals. I can cast it once a day. I get it for being a gnome. Okay. <laughs> uh. Fucking how to speak with animals work. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see this coming. Listen, you, you put no matter you, what you put an animal in a game, Megan's gonna want to talk to it. <laughs> I just didn't think she had the means. I wasn't paying attention. I think Sorry. like r- regardless, no matter what class she's playing. <laughs> Even if I didn't have the Megan, <laughs> Megan starts with speak with animals. The like Komodo dragon's like the ringmaster did it. <laughs> like, oh no! I can't believe the Komodo dragon the whole saw fucking arcs over. This whole story's over. One episode, right back to. It. All right, well, when GG. J- at the beginning of this, when Jake's like, "This could be over real quick if you guys do exactly the right thing," he meant this. This is what he meant. Oh no. Um. Okay. You cast speak with animals, and suddenly in your ears, the hissing of this. Uh, quote baby dragon turn to words uh and it's going get away get away leave me alone baby dragon it's okay what happened i'm i'm not a dragon what are you talking about oh so, i'm sorry they they said you were a baby dragon no. what what happened i i don't know somebody opened my cage and i i got real i ran out and everybody's everywhere and i got real scared and i just don't like it here and i don't like all these people i understand they're very very tall but come here i'll keep you safe uh make a diplomacy check What's a what's a monitor lizard sense motive like? <laughs> Nineteen. <laughs> uh, okay, the lizard scurries over towards you and kind of like plants itself between your legs, like a like a well trained German shepherd would. Um, <laughs> okay, all I'm thinking of is that I'm gonna ride this <laughs> this monitor lizard now, <laughs> uh, and it, it kind of like bears down and it's still looking around and like to the rest of you, it's still like hissing. Um, but it seems to be kind of like hissing at everybody else and resting confidently uh, between Celestine's legs. And what did we hear from Celestine? Did we hear words or hissing? I think you hear words. I think I'm going to go with 
it still like sounds like common to the rest of you. Um, the the spell description is that you can ask questions and receive answers from animals. Um, it doesn't specify any sort of language. So I think just magically your words are translated and its responses are translated in your ears. Okay. Uh, monitor lizard. Uh, uh, not baby dragon. Monitor lizard. Mo- monitor lizard. Okay. Uh what monitor lizard, what is your name? Uh I I don't I don't have a name. I'm gonna be honest, I've never spoken to <laughs> people before and I've never had to introduce myself or be identified like this. Can I call you baby dragon? I guess. Okay, baby dragon. Somebody opened your cage yeah. and, and, and led you out. To, uh, did, was it was it somebody who works for the carnival? Uh, did this uh, were they letting all of the animals out, or what? What happened? I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it didn't. There's nobody. They didn't look. I didn't know them. They didn't look familiar. Um. And as you are having this conversation, uh, a a man runs up. Um. Or a humanoid, at least. Uh. He has gray skin and what look like almost like huge elephant ears that like drape all the way down his back. Uh. And he runs up, kind of in a panic and sees this and seems like immediately relieved uh, and says, uh, oh my God. Oh, oh, bless you. Oh, you, you, you've got him. You got him under control. Is he okay? Is everybody okay? Uh, I think he's okay. He's really scared. What, what happened? I, I don't know. I, I heard all the people panicking and, and people were yelling about the baby dragon and the dragon had escaped. And I just flew over here and I wanted to check on things. Uh, but it, it seems like you got it under control. I can help you. I can help you get him back in there. He's kind of, He's kind of keen on me. Like we've we've got a good bond. Um, and as he's talking, Megan, you can hear the monitor lizard saying, "Friend, friend." Oh, yeah. I give him a little hug, and I I like push him towards. Like, okay, go. You can be safe now. Uh, he, he said somebody let him out of his cage. And I'm looking around at, at everybody else as I explain this. Hey, Ray. You suppose she actually hearing this thing talk? <laughs> yes. I'll be goddamned. Do I see the guards that were guarding this monitor lizard? prior uh yeah i think a- around this time as this stampede is starting to thin out like basically everybody is out of this area uh it seems like the guards have been trying to push their way over like they've been looking for it and haven't been able to get through the crowd um but you see uh, a few of the guards that you recognize having guarded different parts of the the zoo uh like looking around and kind of communicating with each other and somebody seems to notice you guys um and you also see uh, a different man that you don't recognize who is a little bit more like well-dressed he seems like he's got a bit of a higher station uh but does seem to work for the carnival comes like running over just flushed and out of breath um and he runs up and he says uh oh is everything okay what's going on fardane what's going on um and the the gentleman with the big elephant ear says uh i don't know they they said that somebody let the the lizard sorry the dragon um and the the (laughs) other guy kind of like flashes him a quick like (laughs) oh no 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 don't say that kind of look uh Somebody let the the dragon out of the cage, and I guess these folks were able to to wrangle it for us. Um, and the the guy who uh, has just run over, still catching his breath, and he looks at all of you. Um, and I think his eyes kind of settle for a moment on like the ribbon in Tom's hair and on the crown on Quinn's head. Um, and he just seems to take stock of those things. <laughs> uh, and then he says, "Uh, well, thank you, thank you." very much for getting this under control. We'd hate for any harm to come to any of our guests or any of our creatures. Uh, and he gestures for some of those guards to come over and they come over and like gently, like a, a few of them scoop up the lizard and start to walk it back to its cage as the 
eared man who you now know is named Fardane uh, starts to follow after. Hey, Cell, that was that was real cool. How'd you do that? Uh, sometimes if I focus really hard, I can I can talk to animals and hear the things that they have to say and and communicate with them. Not for very long and not a lot of times, but sometimes it's just kind of without thinking because they look really scared and I want to make sure that they're okay. It's a hell of a trick. Yeah, he seemed really, really frightened, didn't know what was going on. I wonder how somebody let him out. Well, there were guards there, right? Yes. Uh, this uh, this well-dressed gentleman says, uh, Oh, you can be sure that I'll be having a word with these guards trying to get to the bottom of this. This is a peculiar situation, but thank God for all of you, and it looks like you've all been making good on some of the events at this carnival already. Eh? I see some trinkets upon you from some of our more esteemed performers. I won a crown. We've been having a wonderful time. Well, I, I can't overstate how glad I am that you all were here and that you were able to take care of our baby dragon for us. If there's anything you need, obviously, the, the Big Top show is going to start soon. Are you all interested in, in viewing? No charge. We'll, we'll let you in for nothing as a, as a token of our gratitude. Well, that sounds excellent. And I would assume, since we are in the presence of royalty, that you could perhaps reserve some very excellent seats for us for tonight's show. Uh, he, make a diplomacy check. Okay. Uh, 18. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he seems a little bit like momentarily a little caught off guard at like being bartered up from already offering you something nice. Um, but he doesn't seem inclined to like kick up a fuss about it. And he says, uh, sure, sure. Of, of course. I'll, I'll talk to the master of ceremonies and make sure that we, we reserve you some excellent seats. Um, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to go tend to the baby dragon here and start, start talking to the guards, but uh, I appreciate it and enjoy the show. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, what was your name? Oh, sorry. My name is Berthold. And what, what is it you do here? Oh, I'm the circus's master of beasts. Wow, that sounds like a very important job. Well, we have quite a few of them, so it is a, a substantial responsibility. As they're carrying the, the monitor lizard away and they're having this conversation, can I do a knowledge nature? I want to see if I know how good a sense of smell a monitor lizard has. Yeah, sure. 17? Uh, Rainer, you know that monitor lizards have a, an excellent sense of smell. Um, they are able to detect things that are approaching. They can sniff out things that are hiding. They can track things by their sense of smell. Um, their their sense of smell allows them to identify things about as well as a person's sense of sight allows them to identify things. Okay. Good okay. for them. Good for them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to do? Uh, or do you just want to go check out the evening show? I think it's showtime. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, you all head over to the big top, um, and it seems like uh, Berthold, has, Berthold was able to get word ahead of you. Um, they see the, the crown and the ribbon, and uh, they just part the, part the curtains and allow you inside, um, and somebody actually walks you to like some front row seats uh, right along the show floor. Uh, and you are treated to a, a wonderful performance. There are acrobats. There are singing and dancing acts. Uh, there are clowns. Sorry, Megan. <laughs> it's a circus. It's okay. I'm not there. <laughs> um, and it all sort of gears up towards what seems to be like the main event, uh, which is the Sphinx. And you all see, uh, there is a, a big to do made about, uh, this, this creature that is just, it's just barely under their control. Um, they have, they have only 
just been able to tame this sphinx and uh they reveal this creature from from behind a curtain and it walks around and you know it does some things that the ringmaster tells it to do and then it seems to break free from his control and it kind of walks around and it walks up towards all of you and like snaps and growls at you um but ultimately is back under the ringmaster's control he's able to reel it back in and it all sort of seems like the bit um and the uh, the evening show concludes, and uh, on your way out, actually, Bertold comes and finds you again uh, and hands off a small bag of coin to all of you with 50 gold pieces in it uh, as an additional sign of appreciation for taking care of the monitor lizard. He lets you know that it would have cost far more than that to replace their irreplaceable baby dragon. Mm. So this is just a small token of appreciation for all of you. I think reflexively, not even very loudly, but every time he says the word "baby dragon," I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying very quietly, "monitor lizard," because I did it. I monitor lizard, and then I whisper back to him, "That's his name now." <laughs> oh, that's like the time Quinn had that dog named Fish. <laughs> I love that dog. Uh, and the show winds down. The carnival starts to turn out its lights, and guests start to exit the grounds. Uh, as you all head back home after a. Uh, a surprisingly eventful and successful evening of celebrating your successes. The next morning, Quinn, you are awakened by a knock at your door. Okay, I'll go answer it. Uh, you recognize uh, someone wearing the garb of the Umber Carnival workers standing at your door. Uh, and he says, uh, are you the king of the carnival? Oh, uh, yes, I am. Well, my boss has asked that uh, you and your pals that were present last night and helped with the uh, the incident with the baby dragon uh, come speak to her as, as soon as possible. I'm like rubbing the sleep out of my eyes. I'm in the pajamas, but I still have the crown on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he, he's like... What I did? What was I thinking? I didn't even need to ask. I can see clearly. It's like it's it was cardboard, so it's all like crumpled in on the side that he laid down. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> gather oh, your royal court. Oh my liege! <laughs> it was just really on account of it was a gift, so I like you know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, what what's this about? I think that's probably better explained by her. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't think I have anything to do today. Uh, I'll gather them up. Well, I mean, any of them at once to come, but I'll be there at least. All right. Appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Have fun. Uh, and he turns to depart. I will go one at a time to uh, each of these three and see if they're interested on joining me. Yeah. Quinn, where do you where do you find them? Or I guess everybody else. Where where would Quinn find you? Um, if it's early in the morning, um, Rainer's profession is brewer. Um <laughs> Because I thought it would work good with all of the alchemy stuff. That makes sense. And so I think that I'm uh, at one of the bars that's not yet open, um, working on uh, putting together some some different beers and stuff. There's you know all these pipes and barrels running everywhere. It's the first microbrewery. <laughs> Very first. <laughs> We're breaking ground. Ray, you in here? Uh, yes. Hey, so one of them carnies showed up saying uh, they they needed some help, and since we helped them out. They wanted to know if we, I don't know, want to go talk about something. I was half asleep. I didn't really catch it. Oh, was there some kind of problem? Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, very well. Um, uh, Taste this. Oh, uh, yeah, all right. I No, I don't even say all right. I just take it and drink whatever is handed to me. What is it? Uh, how is it? Poison. <laughs> Poison. <again. laughs> 
Does it, do you feel the numbing in your lips or your liver first? I need to test this antidote. Drink this real yeah. quick. Now, now drink this. I, I have a minus one constitution now? What does that mean? Now, now, yeah. now drink for- this. Make a fortitude save. <laughs> the expediency of it uh, cannot be expressed enough. <laughs> and I do. Oh, it's not bad. It's, uh, you know, it's a 15. What, what's a 15? My brewery. <laughs> the beer that I <laughs> handed you made, in the morning. Did you just make a craft brewery? First of all, it's craft brewery. <laughs> Which is great. Did you just make that check? <laughs> I did. Okay. Yeah. Craft brewery. That's beautiful. It's, it's something that's been brewing for a while. Like I'm, 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 I'm tapping one of the new kegs. Nice. It's a breakfast ale. Yeah, it's, it's full. It's got some cranberry in it's it. It's full bodied and it's a, has it's a fruity an oatmeal taste. stout. Yeah, man, this is full bodied. It's got a fruity taste. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right. Where do they find Thomason? Oh, I'm still in my room in the inn that we're staying in. I'm just knocking on the door until the end of time or the door opens. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll open the door. Yes. Hey, uh, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Oh, just hey, the uh, Carnies came by and wanted some help with something and wanted me to gather up folks that helped him out last night. I mean. Really, it was Cell that did all the talking to the dragon. What the hell is it? A monitor, monitor lizard. lizard. Monitor, monitor lizard. Anyway, but, you know, we was all there, so they just looking for help for something. Want to go? Sure. And I turn over my shoulder. I'm so sorry, darling. I'll have to take a rain check if you could just see yourself out. And uh, I think we see one of the acrobats from the Big Top show uh, gathering <laughs> her things and leaving my room. Tied. Nope. Tied by the wrists and ankles to the bedpost <laughs> with, a, with a gag in their mouth. <laughs> Honestly, I like that too. <laughs> We're I just s- heading back if you want to do the cartwheel of shame back with us. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen her work. She's extraordinarily flexible. I'm sure she'll get out of that in no time. Oh, all right. She just looks like a wagon wheel rolling along next to you all, just <laughs> cartwheeling the whole way. All right. Where, where's Cell about this time of day? I assume being an accountant, unless you took a vacation day. Ugh. Let's go. Where is Celestine? Uh, she's she's at work. Where is work? I know it's for the city, but like, do you work in like a like a little shitty back room office somewhere? Do you work in like one of the? There are like relative high rises here, like many story tall buildings. I think it's like it's like a open floor plan like <laughs> office. So there are like multiple accountants, and it's all like one room. Uh, I think it's on one of the levels of like probably one of the high rises for the city. All right. I'm just strolling through this area <laughs> until we come up to you. Hey, uh, this is my actual hell. You want to do anything else? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think you, you find her like right in the middle of this room with just all these other tables with other other people working and it's just lots of numbers, you know, lots of paperwork, accountant you things. No, yeah, just accountancy. <laughs> um and Celestine is sitting there with uh one of her hands up, like kind of holding her, her hair back as she's looking down at paperwork. And she's like holding her pen in her other hand. Um and you, you ask her this and you hear like a light snoring <laughs> in, in return. <laughs> I will just very slightly bump the the like the desk situation. Yeah, her hand slips and her head just hits the desk and she wakes up. I'm 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 I'm, I'm up. Hi, where am I? Oh, hey, we just walked up and saw nothing. It seems that baby dragon needs your help. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you told me it was a monitor lizard. Uh, no, baby dragon is its name. It's his name. 
oh, okay. I mean, I've only been up for like two hours. So yeah, I don't want to be here. Um, and uh, she she leans over to she leans over to a uh, a man who's sitting next to her working on counters. She goes, uh, hey, uh, Craig, Craig, and like reaches out and uh, pushes his arm. Craig, can you can you cut co- can you cover for me again? Yeah. You're the best. You owe me. You owe me so many. Y'all just want to come to. This is awful. You're doing <laughs> the most boring shit. Hey, someone's got to do it, man. Somebody Not from across me, the room goes, but who will balance the city's accounts? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it, just not me right now. So let's go. Yes, you wouldn't want them all to quit doing this or else there'd be no one there to cash you out when you get a bounty. Bless you all. You're doing God's work. <laughs> well done. Caden, Kalian, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I'll stroll out. Yeah, Celestine just grabs a bunch of stuff from her, her desk and shoves it in her backpack and like kind of again ho- like hides her face from with her hand like she's not recognizable as long as you can't see her face uh and, <laughs> and walks out with everyone you all make the trek back towards the umber carnival grounds um as you arrive it is empty you know this it's clearly not operational for the day yet uh there are crew walking around like getting things in order um and uh the one that came and fetched you, Quinn, uh, is kind of waiting near the front and waves you all down um, and gestures for you to go find uh, his boss, Mistress Dellison. Um, says that she's the one who called for you and she will be uh, waiting by her wagon behind the big top for you. Okay, I'll lead the way around. Okay. Yeah, you head behind the big top, and it's an area that's not really, like, for patrons. You know, this isn't somewhere you went last night. There's not, like, a pathway to get you here or anything. But as you get behind the tent, there are just sprawling wagons, and it seems like this is, like, the crew wagons. This is where everybody sleeps. This is where they travel. This is where, like, the the permanent staff reside and do their work and stuff when they're not manning events out in the carnival. Um, and there is one that is... Uh, sort of up on a uh, a little hill towards the back of all of them that looks a little bit bigger and more ornate. Um, and there is a woman sitting uh, near a campfire that is built out in front of that wagon. Uh, and she seems to notice you all as you enter the, the wagon's area and gives a wave for you to head her direction. What's the name of this woman? Uh, he referred to her as Mistress Dellison. Thank you. Well, stroll up. Mistress? She sighs, uh, and she says, don't call me that. You can call me Almara. Uh, and she she stands to greet you all. Um, whoop, 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 whoop. And uh, she is wearing a uh, a very, like, ornate, festive kind of robe, um, but in, in muted colors, like, to give off the air of, like, being a member of the circus, but like being sort of the more businessy member of the circus. Um, she is wearing a, a head scarf uh, with stars on it. And you know, her, she's got long black hair that is hanging from underneath it. Um, and she's got some tattoos on her face, like on her chin up to her lips and underneath her eyes. Um, and she looks uh, exhausted and not particularly like friendly, but she seems pleased to see you as she greets you all. Um, I'm I'm sort of mumbling out of this corner of my mouth. She's aloof and she's got tattoos. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you're ignoring hey, me, so you're obviously my type. <laughs> hey, 
hey, you know what? Maybe just not all of us like to be up during the day and we're not as uh, excitable and we're more cranky and that's not our fault. Fair. And I'm just like rubbing my eyes, like trying to stay awake. How can we help you, Almora? She's kind of like eyeing you all over. She gestures for all of you to sit around the campfire as well as she does. Um, And she's giving a, a bit of like a, disparaging look at Celestine who seems like her head's not totally in the game right now um and she says well I have heard uh, about your efforts yesterday in the regrettable incident with our dragon uh first of all thank you I understand that payment has already been made and I'm glad of it uh unfortunately I fear that I could use your help with another matter is baby dragon okay yes yes the baby dragon is fine this, this does not concern the baby dragon. Uh, it seems as though you have not yet heard, which gives me some hope. But, well, there was a murder in town last night, and the circumstances, I am told, implicate people from my circus. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to Season 2 of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples are already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it's Schultz. Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutant, a lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about Sinclair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? 
She's putting herself behind the eight ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn the money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well. Thank you.